All right, welcome everybody to Son of a Witch Podcast. You know me, I am Mike D, and with me today, I got my boy Smooth, Smoothini in the house. What's, What's up, Smooth? Not much. Look, like Murphy's Law, bro. Murphy's Law. Moment you start this, I can hear the kids starting to get a little anxious upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so to all the viewers and listeners and listeners and viewers, just be very well, very well aware that I don't believe in condoms, apparently. And there are results to that. <laughs> Result to those decisions. And one of those one of those results is that I got a pair of twins upstairs that are going to get angsty right when daddy's about to do something that's not involving them. Every so. action has an equal and opposite reaction, bro. You know, no condoms. You got the kids. <laughs> Question, can I cuss in this? Bro, this is an explicit show. I love my sentence enhancers, so we can... You are a sailor, cuss. so, you know, I, you know, I... I, I I I believe the sailor traditions. Oh yeah, it doesn't have to be every word, but I just want to make sure that I'm free. And I'm oh yeah, I I curse all the time, man. I I I call them my sentence enhancers, and um, my girl's kind of like your girl. She's super smart, very well educated. I don't know how the fuck I landed her, but uh, I've I've used the study that people that curse are more intelligent, and she tries to debunk that all the time. So. Saw that I saw something similar going around the internet a while ago, and it's good to believe. <laughs> oh yeah, it makes you feel better about what you're doing. Anyway, it is, but the so. thing is, you know, you know, on, on on a on a quantifiable scale, I am pretty intelligent, and but you meet a lot of people that cuss because they just don't have the extensive vocabulary or lexicon or vernacular period that I can actually use. So I'm like, oh, you know what? Fuck that. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to go ahead and try to explain shit to you. I just want to cut to the damn chase. Well, see, I'm a lot like you. See, I've first of all, let me give a little background. Um, I started following Smooth right before he went on AGT, and that's right. Y'all have heard me talking about it. You saw me even give you a link to some of the videos. My boy was on AGT. In my opinion, he should have won that shit, but we ain't even going to go over all that. Can we do a recount? <laughs> yeah, for real, yo. Like, uh, but yeah, I, was, I did a link the other day to... Uh, that time when you went down there, did the pen trick, did the salt trick and all that shit. And everybody's minds are blown. So everybody on my end is really geeked out to be talking and seeing you. So thanks for coming on the show, bro. But um, yeah, Smooth is a, as you heard him mention, a Marine vet. Uh, you guys know that I'm a Navy vet. So, you know, that's that's my boy right there. And that's one that's of the reasons I started following him. And then, you know, of course, I saw him on AGT and I'm sitting here with my son next to me and I'm tweeting him and shit like that. And he's tweeting back. And my son's like, holy shit, that dude on TV is like actually talking to you, dad. And uh, we just started... Famous. We just started kind of kicking it and chilling and talking about shit like that. I know a lot about him uh, just because we've followed each other like seven, eight years now. But uh, I'm going to give him a chance to kind of give his background, give you a little bit of how he got to where he is today. So you take it away, brother. Oh, dude. <laughs> Seriously? Just put you on the spot like that. Oh, man. All right. I mean, this uh, there's like a concise version of the story. And then there's the... <laughs> Let me sit the fuck down and smoke a cigarette. And well, first it. of all, we know you're from, well, I know you're from Dominican I'm from Republic. I, mean, I was born Dominican Republic. I'm yeah. an import. I'm an import. You know, it was only exporting Dominican baseball players for a long time. And then they decided, hey, let's throw a Jedi over the United States. And it didn't work out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, man. Um, so I grew up in Manhattan, even though I was born DR. 
I, I came on my third birthday with my mom and to New York City into Manhattan out of all places. And there I grew up. A couple years later, I um, got the bug for show business. I, I saw Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy Raw around 1988. And that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be him. Like that's a classic. He, he embodied, <laughs> and it wasn't just that raw because I knew him from Saturday Night Live too. Like I would see like my other older cousins catching him, and then of course you talk about the late '80s. So you had like Beverly Hills Cops, and I mean, I mean that's Eddie Murphy. I mean Eddie Murphy was like just on fire, and so like my first bug was really like to be a comedian, and then around that same time I got the bug for magic. And um, so I started learning that. But I mean, all, overall, the underlying, the underlying common, um, commonality was that I wanted to entertain people. I didn't have a great singing voice, even though I was in the choir. I mean, I did every play I could possibly get my hands on. And I mean, I'm not saying like I'm freaking Horace Whitaker and shit, but like, <laughs> like I mean, whatever I could do to get in front of people and entertain them, that's what I wanted to do. And um, so I started learning a couple tricks, you know, here, tricks and there. And um, around fifth grade, around fifth grade, um, I had a, a teacher that was also an actor. And he was like in soap operas or whatever in Manhattan. And he was a teacher throughout the regular, his regular job. And I remember me being the smart aleck and saying, oh, I never need to learn math. I don't need to learn math. The irony of which is like I'm a math geek now, but I was over here complaining <laughs> of why I didn't do the math homework. And I'm going, I don't need to do math. It's like every job you're ever going to have, you have to learn math. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to be a comedian. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, but yo, what about when your people pay you and all this stuff? I'm like, that's why I would have a manager. <laughs> and so he's like, all right, you want to be a comedian so badly? Next week, you know, Wednesdays, I went to Catholic school. Wednesdays were half days because the other half of the day they brought in the public school kids for like CC, a bunch of crap. Anyways, so they're like, on Wednesday, I'm gonna give you 10 minutes in front of the whole class. I'm like, okay, great. Oh man, I have a picture of that day too. <laughs> I went in front of the, the, the my fifth grade class and I failed, I bombed. I mean, these kids were just not having it. Like, I was not funny on demand. Uh, oh man, it was just nuts. Well, they're probably worse than the critics in your shows and shit, man, because kids can't, kids don't play. They're brutal. <laughs> they're brutal. They're brutal. And of course, because I was the nerdy kid and I was the kid that liked science and Star Trek. And I mean, it was just like, they didn't like me to begin with. So I wasn't, I wasn't winning anything over. But it, it taught me a real good lesson. Stick to magic. <laughs> yeah. Magic will always work. <laughs> People can like your jokes and not like your jokes, but if that coin disappears, I see that, that coin is gone. And so like, I kind of just very slowly really went into just keeping the magic because then I'm not going to get criticized. I would be criticized, oh, it's in this hand or it's in that hand. Then I just have to get better on upping my level of deception. That led to, you know, the drug dealers on my back, they, they knew that I did a couple of tricks and I would entertain them. And, you know, this is the early 90s. And these were the drug dealers that I was being told by the government, man. Yeah, and telling me that drug dealers are the worst human beings on the planet. But these were the guys that were bombing the magic set, so I didn't sell drugs in the future. It was just absolutely the complete opposite messaging. These guys like, we have to do this, but you are smart, bro. Don't do this. And um, so one of the things that I had to do in order to like, well, I mean, I'm gonna say the word qualified, but 
because of the fact that they were buying me these tricks and buying me these books, I had to make sure that every week I showed them what I was doing, which got me more attention as I got older and I got girls to pay attention, which was always awesome as a teenage boy. Yeah. And then I yeah. just, you know, by word of mouth, I started getting really good. And I was starting to perform for harder and harder and harder groups of people that, that they don't care. These weren't like, hey, Timmy, yay. <laughs> they were like knocking my hand off. Like, yo, I don't believe you, son. Like, I mean, these were like scary dudes. And I just started like, um, you know, building that like, okay, you want to heckle me? I'm going to heckle you right back. Um, so I got a very abrasive and in-your-face and comedic um, type of performance personality. And as the years went on in the 90s, you know, people were calling me smooth all the time because they thought that, oh, there was like a dope. It was like, hey, this kid thinks he's so smooth. And um, the name kind of stuck. And then about 99, when I was 19, some little kid was, um, and I'm talking about a little kid, like a six-year-old. So I was 19, this kid was like six. He saw me do a new trick. It was like, smooth, you're like Smoothie the Ghetto Houdini. And when he said that, I was like, yes, that's the name. That's the name. And of, of course, nobody in my realm, nobody in my orbit, and especially my parents being immigrants, I mean, they're like, you come to this country, you be a doctor or a lawyer, like you come here and you kick ass. And I'm like, I'm gonna be here and I'm gonna be a magician. And they're like, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh man, that was tough. And um, after 9-11, I was growing, like I said, I live in Manhattan. After 9-11, I lost my job because I used to work at the towers, it's a little story. Lost a bunch of friends and it was no work for me. I was 21 living in my parents' small apartment. I, um, I joined the Marine Corps. And um, when I joined the Marine Corps and I was doing the same tricks that were bugging out the idiots in Harlem and the South Bronx, but now these are people from like Oregon and Kentucky and all over the country, they were bugging out just the same. I started realizing that I really have something. Like it's not just something that it was, trust me, there was nobody telling me I can actually do this. I would ask professional magicians. And they're like, oh, you gotta get in a suit and tie. You gotta change your name. You gotta be more like Lance Burton, you know, tucked in with a tuxedo. And I'm like, yeah, nah, bro. Like, what if Method Man, what if Buster Rhymes did magic? Like, it was like my whole idea. Like, I just didn't feel like I had to change who I am to fit into the world of magic. So after the four years of Marine Corps, I got out with a, like a hard headedness. Like I can be me and I can do magic and I can be in the bars and I can smoke weed and I can cuss and I, and people will like it. And sure enough, people did like it, but the people who can hire me and put me in a bigger platform were not willing to hire me. So I had to figure out on my own way, on my own side, how to hustle it myself. So people would come to my shows, but nobody was willing to admit it. The venues were not willing to admit it. And then of course, you know, I'm a veteran, so I opened up doors and Marines and sailors and even soldiers and Air Force people, they, they didn't care. They didn't care that I was uncouth. They didn't care that I was drinking on stage and taking four shots. They didn't care that I was, you know, being an asshole pretty much uh, because we all knew that I was doing what I was doing was bullshit. But they enjoyed the fun. And one thing led to another that led me to Las Vegas or the recession hit. So when the recession hit, I happened to be a really... When the recession hit, I happened to be a really qualified magician in terms of skill, but nobody was willing to really put their name behind me. But Vegas was hurting and I was cheap. <laughs> and there so I know. went, next thing you know, I had sold out show after sold out show at the Harley Davidson mm -hmm. Cafe. 
have lasted for a couple of months. And then um, when I lost that stage gig, I was like, well, I'm not going to leave Vegas after I know what the stage feels like. So I started just just being in bars like I used to be before anything happened. Fast forward, a lot of story there. But fast forward, I'm in the bars, I'm in the bars. I've never worked the street corner. I've never hanged out, like just hope with a pan. You know, never did that. So after, uh, and I speak a couple of languages too. So I do this in French, Italian, Japanese, Spanish, and English. So I'm over here in the bars and the bars are loving me because here I am, I'm keeping like a uh, group of Irish guys just drinking and drinking and drinking. There's like bars right next to each other. They can just pick up and leave and take the drink with them in the street and go to a different bar. But here I am keeping groups of people at one bar. So these people in Vegas were not stupid. They were like, I like this guy. This is what, this is entertainment right here. I can keep people drinking. And that's how I met the producers of America's Got Talent. They went to a bar and they asked like, you know, what's, what's good to see right now? And the bartender was like, that guy. <laughs> and sure enough, fast forward another year, I had this entire other performance ready to go. I had this idea, like I was gonna go on stage and show off all my good stage skills. But the producer's like, nah, I wanna see what you did at the bar. Do the salt trick, the thing in your nose, or well, nothing in your nose, but whatever. The whole thing is, I ended up doing my bar act at, at America's Got Talent and it blew up. Yeah, man, that video, uh, like I said, I posted a link to that and everybody's minds are blown. I mean, I, I'm going to have to send you some of the comments because I told these people I would forward it to you. But but people are just depressed. And, and what's funny is much like my son and my little niece today, I showed her the video and I'm like, look, this is this is my friend. I'm going to be talking to him tonight. I need you to kind of be quiet, but I'm going to show you what he does. Right. And so she's watching it and she's autistic, highly functioning. So she's very intelligent. And the first thing out of her mouth was, oh, well, I know. And I said, shut up. Don't finish that <laughs> sentence. I said, because you don't know. You do I, realize that everything I did in that audition is from a beginner's magic set. Well, the uh, sponge balls, you know, I, I've done that. I, I mean, that's what maybe I, I don't think I've ever told you that. But I mean, I, I've always been. Well, no, we talked about it the other day. I've yeah, always did. been into like amateur magic. And, you know, if I go by a magic shop, I'm stopping. I'm buying something. Scotch and soda was always my favorite trick. Great and trick. Uh, the sponge balls and everything else. But but yeah, like she thought she knew how you did the pen trick. And I'm like, well, tell me. And she did. And I'm like, nope, that ain't how. And she's like, well, how do you do it? I said, I don't fucking know. I, you know, I, I ain't going to ask him. And But the, like everybody else, like my son and like all my listeners and everything else, everybody's like, that salt trick, yo. That salt trick. And he poured liquid in his hand, yo. And oh, I'm man. like, yeah, man. I mean, home, Homeboy is like insanely talented, but... But yeah, I mean that—that's a cool rise to fame, brother. I mean, you know, you you took I mean, what you had and you made something out of it. I mean, like really, like really, like even the story behind the salt trick is insane in my personal view. Because again, it's mo yo the magic world was pretty pissed. I mean, really pissed because I mean, I think one of the the biggest crit criticism that I got was this guy who starts off the video with. I don't want to like knock this guy, <laughs> right? And then he but. goes on an hour to knock me down. And it, it, and I, I don't even know why I was so fascinated to hear him. But at the end, he's like, it's like somebody going on American Idol and singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And in my, in my head, I'm like, if it was so fucking basic, asshole, why didn't you go on the show in the last eight years 
and do it your fucking self. It, it, the whole idea is this. I never liked that trick every time I saw a magician do it. Uh, I, it's, it's been such a throwaway trick. And, and just because of the way they magicians like try to cater to each other, you know, they try to like peacock each other, like, oh, look what I, what I can do, look what I can do. It's oh, yeah. understandable, it's understandable, right? I, I kind of just threw it away. And when I first saw uh, an older magician do it, it was just so whack. I'm like, oh my God, I would never do that. Skip, I learned it, duly noted. Then what happens is after I leave the Marine Corps, I had no backup plan. I didn't have any backup plan. I didn't even bother looking for a job. I said, if I am this good, I will do something with myself. So as romantic as that sounds, it was been a lot of years of being broke. And I'm at a, a bar in North County, San Diego. And these ladies, the servers, the waitresses, they've seen my routine so many times, so many times. And it was one of those slow days where nothing's going on. I had nobody to do magic for. There was no tips. I'm getting free drinks just to pass me by. And um, the girl comes out and she's like, smooth. Yo, is there anything you could do with a salt shaker? <laughs> Immediately, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I know five salt tricks that I can do. I'm being put on the spot. But there's like a shot of Jameson like on the line, right? <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, well, I can do this stupid little trick with the salt goes in my hand and it disappears and comes right back, right? And mind you, it's been like 11 years since I learned that trick. Never done it because I had it in my head. I had it in the, the reservoir of tricks. So I'm like, okay, cool. I did it. Boom, gone. And then the drunk people next to me freak out. <laughs> and then I poured it out and they run away. And I'm like, get the fuck out. Now, there's a difference between what a magician sees when they see a trick and what a regular person not in magic sees. And from that day on, I said, oh, I'm going to keep this trick. And over the next couple of months, it evolved from just pouring it once to doing it several times. And then by the time I got to Vegas, somebody dared me like, oh, but you can't put my beer in there. I'm like, I bet you I can, fool. And so over many years, other regular people created that trick out of me. So, I mean, that's just the story of the salt trick. And it's taking me around the world. In my opinion, man, I think that um, because I've, you know, I, like I say, I grew up watching David Copperfield and reading about Houdini and, you know, all this type of stuff. And I've seen salt tricks before, but you kind of took that trick and you made it your own. But then when you add in, like you said, your comedic kind of in your face style with it, you know, for instance, in that video, one person said, did he really just like, I mean, they were laughing because when somebody in the audience said, oh, my God, and you're like, that's not my name. You know, they're like, <laughs> he said that shit like it was scripted, you know, like he was just expecting oh, yeah, that. Yo, yeah, you know, that's, that's out of the years of Vegas. That, I was filmed in April 2014. I got to Vegas February 09. So, and you and you gotta think that the majority of 2012, I was homeless. Like homeless, I would make enough money to just like be able to sleep in a movie theater so that I could have a place to knock out. You know what I mean? Like, and I didn't want to even call my parents for help because I was like, I will do this. You know, I've had a lot of like rough times, and. And you know, I, I I picked my mental my mental state up, and I was able. But over all those years, I mean, I'm talking about having nothing to do on the strip in bars. People will have the 
constant reactions. So like that, oh my God thing I learned over the years. I will always say that. I have like a, I have a, a ready to go comment or, or reply for like literally every practical thing a human being is going to say at any given moment for the same exact performance. So yeah, when that lady in the back said it, that was just like immediately, I was just like an autopilot. Like, okay, boom, that's not my name, right? And then I, I had to like play it off. Anyways, when I watched the video, I realized there's no way the mic picked that up. <laughs> there's well, no it, way the it not only picked had that to add it in there. But then it had the there. girl in the audience going, Smoothie, you know, you're like, yep, that's the name, you know? I mean, that shit picked up Yeah, but up both everything. those things, those mics never picked it up. Those were added in post. Oh, they had, Because they had to do it because I, re, I was reacting to it. I heard it. I heard it. But they, they, there's no way that mic on my, on my, my, on my lapel heard it from all the way up. So yeah, this like that was a big like theater, bro. I mean that that was a major accomplishment. It was, and uh, to this day, I still go my wife back. Was pregnant with the twins. I remember that. My wife I, was pregnant with the twins. You talked about yeah, that on she one said of the she got episodes. Dehydrated from crying. Oh wow! Yeah, well, see, she said she got dehydrated because yeah. That's one of the best things about it, man, because one, if you've got something that you can do, and again, mine's way different. I mean, I've done, first of all, I think having a smart ass kind of good sense of humor and being real quick witted helps, you know, that helps in any type of show business. I used to do theater. I used to do acting. I do voice acting now. And, you know, that's what led me into this uh, podcast thing. But you know, if you can be quick on your feet and good at what you do, then shit's just going to happen, you know. But then when you have somebody supporting you behind oh. you, like Laura, or I'm sorry, like uh, I'll edit that out. Your girl does. It's all right. All right. But like you're uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm Urkel. I'm Urkel. <laughs> well, see, and, and I'm Urkel. For y'all that don't know, me and Smooth were talking the other day and uh, I laugh all the time. And, and my fiance was laughing before I came on here because, you know, she's heard me talk about you over the years and I've shown her your videos and things like that. And uh, I, I think at first she didn't believe me. It was funny because the other night when we were on that phone call, she's like, who are you talking to? And I'm like, I'm talking to Smooth. And she's like, who the fuck is that? And I'm like, Smoothini, you know, Ghetto Houdini. I've shown you him before. And she's like, oh, shit. And I said, you you really didn't think I knew the dude, did you? I mean, he, he's a cool dude. And I said, he's a lot like you and me because you're smart as shit. My girl's got like several degrees and, you know, she's a teacher and she's beautiful. But I'm me. I'm a goofball. I'm self-taught on most everything I do. But uh, she has supported me in everything, man. Like, if I have to go down to the basement right. at 2 a.m. to record something, she's like, you do you, because I know one day this is going to pay off. And it's kind of like what's happening with you. It's been kind of a roller coaster ride. But you've seen John Wick, right? 
And it's funny, I, I watched it a couple months ago and it was like, I don't know, it didn't capture me, but yeah, I've seen John Wick. Okay, so my my, first my common thing that I say is, you know, like the Russian guy said in that movie, you know, the bodies that I bury today are going to lay the foundation for what we have tomorrow. You know, and that's, that's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, I'm working my ass off now. Like, I think I've slept maybe eight hours in the past few days because I'm so into this. And I've seen you doing a lot of the same thing you're in the bars you know you're live streaming from bars and you're entertaining people and you're getting it out there so you're and was i was i was but that was all to get the tv show which was the ultimate goal oh well see we're going to touch on that too see in magic like like in witchcraft magic with a k um you do stage magic i do literal magic and it's all about manifesting destiny, man, manifesting reality. And that's what I was telling my girl earlier. I'm like, this motherfucker here has manifested his destiny more than a lot of the people I know out there. That's why I got a lot of respect for you because you've been knocked down, but in true veteran type style, because most vets are tough and they bounce right back. You know, that's what you've done. And you've kind of never given up. Like you've done AGT, you've I, done hip hop Houdini, and you're still working on stuff that we can't even talk about yet. But you know, it's I, I'm impressed. Man. I mean, I, the, 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 the point of the matter at the end of the day is like, why have a goal? Why have a dream if you're not going to accomplish it or fulfill it? And even if you don't actuate the whole dream, you work towards it. I, I learned this as a little kid because I mean, when I when I as a teenager when I started realizing that we were poor. That, that was really something that, because of the dichotomy in New York City, I Manhattan, I could take a train ride a few stops south, and here I am around the most richest people on the on the on the planet, and the way they live, and then I go back home, and it's just so freaking different, so different, and I'm like, this this sucks, like this really freaking sucks, and of course everybody's like, well, you can get a job and you could do this, and I'm like, like, come on, man. It has to be a shortcut. Uh, it has yeah. to be a shortcut. But that's if you think money was the goal. Because honestly, it wasn't really necessarily the goal. The goal, I grew up around a lot of rappers and people in show business. And I'm like, well, if I can entertain the masses, then I will be fulfilled in my soul. I'll be rich in my soul. If that makes any sense. Oh, it does. It makes perfect sense. And, and so, yeah, my entire thing is, okay, so I have a pregnant girl with twins. And everything and everybody is telling me you should get a real job. Up to that point, you have not succeeded whatsoever. You have no claim to fame. You have no, not, no accolades, nothing. And I'm telling her I'm going to be on America's Got Talent. And she's like, what makes you think that they're, they're going to even air your audition? And I told her in pure me fashion, like, wait till America sees me. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a done deal. Um and dude, you blew up during that show, man. You were getting like, what was it, four million YouTube? Views? I got, I got four million views in the first two hours of it being aired. See, that's insane. I, it, it was insane. It was insane. Now, like, I knew it was gonna happen. It was gonna teeter off, and it did. And it did. It's fine. But I just needed that. I just needed that. That video, that that video, by the way, has gone viral three times a year every year since, minimum. It, it gets reviraled in different countries. I get, I get messages. Let me see. I get messages from like Africa and, and like people from like India 
and like, yo, Smoothini. <laughs> I mean, it's like nuts. I don't even know you can see the numbers. But it's nuts. Either way, I leveraged that into getting my TV show, which is what I really wanted to do. And it was all because the dream was there. It was like, I, okay, I'm going to use this as a stepping stone. I didn't care if I won America's Got Talent. I won in a completely different way. Well, it wasn't even so much about winning or losing. It was about the fact that you got on there and the world got to see your shit. You know, everybody got to see what you're capable of. Everybody got to see your personality because you right now was you on that stage. I mean, you weren't putting on some fake persona. You know, you were stressful. I had to remember what I had to do and what I had to say. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So NBC was simple. I was like, don't curse, don't curse, don't curse. (laughs) Don't get censored. But uh, but yeah, man, I mean, and to be in a room with not only that many people, but also Nick Cannon and Howie Mandel and Howard Stern, Mel B and all Not that shit. Problem. And you didn't even look like it phased you, yo. Not I mean, a problem. I've I've done. Not a problem. I have for I have since I got to Vegas specifically. Have entertained anybody in front of me as as if they were the Queen of England. Everybody in front of me. I don't care if you're rich, if you're broke. I don't care. I used to have a manager tell me, "Why are you wasting your time with this group of people? They're not going to tip you." I'm like, I don't care. Come on. They need entertainment like anybody else. Go figure a lot of these people eight years later, like, yo, I got a picture or whatever, you know, whatever. You mean my, my niece was having a bad day or, or you know, my cousin who's gay and this other third. I just treat everybody because the truth of the matter is this. In the world of magic, a lot of magicians get an ego because they think that they have something over other people. They have this kind of knowledge and that I can, I can deceive you. And they use that as a replacement for having confidence in themselves. Which I think is nonsense. You should be a good person. I am humble and cocky. I, I am both things. <laughs> I, I know that when it comes to performing, I kick ass. But I also know that almost every other aspect of my life, I suck. <laughs> and so, you know, hey, I, that means I'm, I know people... Hey, Princess, so come here. <laughs> this is my Princess Leia. Ah, there we go. Yeah, you got a princess. I couldn't name the twins Luke and Leia, so. I could see that, you know. Um, Looks like a Princess Leia. But um, yeah, so it, it, that's why I've always I've always treated people like that. I, I just don't care if you flossing, like same thing with the drug dealers when I grew up. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you got a gun on you, bro. You will bug out. If I make something disappear, you will act like a kid again. I promise you. Um, and then, you know, of course, I've met people that are difficult in their own right. Um, but when you treat everybody the same, because, you know, we all poop and we all sneeze and we all the pretty much the same in a lot of ways. I don't care if you're a Nick Cannon. I don't care if you're President Obama or, or Trump or whomever. Like, if you give me the chance, I will impress you. That's just the way I feel. And then it also means that I also have something to learn from anybody, regardless of their age or whatever. When I was in Japan, as I was learning Japanese, it was very humbling because I was so used to having my sway and doing my thing. Now here I am in a position where I could barely speak the language. So from their point of view to my point of view, I look like I'm the dumbass. And... And you speak what? Four languages? Cinco. Five. See, and 
Yeah, that's insane. I speak a little bit of Japanese because I've got Asian family and and I speak a little bit of Spanish. But in Spanish, all I know is how to curse people out. And that's because uh, going back to the bar thing, my grandparents growing up owned bars and restaurants. And at the age of 15, I was running the door, checking IDs, taking cover charges. And I had this huge bouncer right beside me, like watching everybody, keeping everybody away from me and stuff. And, you know, to, to grow up in that atmosphere, it gives you a perspective on life, man. I mean, you get to see so many different people and people in a bar, once they get a few drinks in them, oh, yeah. they don't show their real side, you know? And- Or like, I would say an amplification, like it amplifies. You know, some people, though, I don't know. I wouldn't say so much. I don't want to just debate with you for the sake of debate. But there's some people that you put a little bit of, uh, of the dead eye juice in them and they turn into the hide, you know, Jekyll and Hyde. Like, like that is I don't know. If that's the real side. Like you're like an evil person, bro. Like, I don't know. I have a good friend who won't be listening to this, but <laughs> but he's a, he's such a sweetheart in all of his life. Two shots in, and this dude is beating up his girlfriend. I'm like, yo, how about you just stop that? You don't need to be drinking, bro. Yeah, I don't. I don't beat nobody, but I become like a major dickhead when I get tequila. That's why I got to stay away from that shit. I, I can't drink tequila, bro. All right, when we meet, we're not drinking tequila, bro. Nah, we ain't drinking tequila. We are gonna smoke some herb because it's legal in Vermont, and I can say that kind of shit. So, oh, it's legal here too. So don't worry about it. Is it legal in Vegas now? Oh, very, very legal. Oh, very, hell, very hell, legal. Hell yeah. All right. Well, you keep talking about Jedi. So part of my show is my people know that I talk about witchcraft and I talk about the paranormal and I talk about ghosts and I talk about spirituality. And, you know, I even get real deep with that shit sometimes like manifest reality, manifest destiny and, you know, being who you want to be and affirmations. You know, I do that shit every day in the mirror. You know, I say certain affirmations because words have power. Mm-hmm. And and I know you believe that too, but I also mix in a little bit of comic geekiness because I'm a huge comic book geek. Um, I'm a huge Star Wars fanatic, uh, as you can see. Got the stormtrooper stocking, so my boys got the same thing going on. And uh, you still got that uh, Buddha picture in the background, which I've always loved. So, you know, I mean, you're just a uh, down to earth guy. We got, we got, ah, see. Yeah. You know See? what I'm saying? We 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 doing some we doing some things. I mean, I'm a complete damn nerd, and I I that's one of the things where I just like I remember getting all this pressure to be cool and be be something that I wasn't during high school, and I was like, nah, nah, you guys are dumb. And in the Marine Corps, which is like super macho and like y'all oh, a bunch of jarheads, I'm like, dude, y'all y'all a bunch of idiots too, man. I've never really felt too much sway with peer pressure, which has led me to be like this lone wolf. I'm a, I'm a weird, like I'm a unicorn. I'm a, I'm a little bit too regular for the super nerds because <laughs> I can really hang out with any group. I've, I've been hanging out with like superstars, straight up superstars. And and I'm like, I'm in their mix. And they're like completely fine. But then I can hang out with a bunch of freaking hardcore engineers and I'll be completely fine with them but I can never really be part of any single one group because of that state with that reason I just like to get what I can from everybody and get that in my head see I'm I'm similar in that respect to the fact that it's called being a social chameleon man I, that that's what my girl tells me anyway uh, I adapt to it's not that I'm not me 
but I can adapt to any situation. Like I can walk into a room and I'm more nervous in a room with just four or five people than I am if there's hundreds of people in the audience, you know, I, I, that makes me more comfortable than a small group. And you've gone from like doing bar magic to a huge theater on AGT to having hip hop Houdini, which we got to talk about that because I posted some pictures because people were like, oh yeah, he was doing magic for some uh, rappers and stuff. Huh? What, what kind of rappers? And I'm like, yo, Lil John. How about Fat Joe? You know, I was like, you didn't see it, but, you know, he's he's hung out with Wiz and done shit for him. So, I mean, this dude is uh, cool with whoever he's around. And uh, that's why you that's why you're successful, man. I mean, you 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 continue to kind of make what you want out of what you get. And that's why you walk into a building and see you with a bunch of cards flying through the air on a fucking elevator door. That shit. Was oh crazy. yeah, yeah. That I was on a. I didn't put the pictures up though, but I was on a bus too. I, I've had a billboard. It's kind of cool. It's a stroke of ego. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, because I can get emotional thinking about it, because I keep thinking about the little boy that told that it was a dumb idea to go into magic, and. I hate hearing the word successful because, you know, well, I'll talk about that in my own podcast. It's it's how you define success. And I haven't done exactly what I want to do yet. And because I haven't done exactly what I want to do yet, it, everything that I've done so far, is just one little notch, one little one little ladder closer to what ultimately be like the, my, my album. You know, about yeah, I can't walk you. Right. <laughs> It's it's like it's like what's going on there. But you're right. I have when I sit down and I really take a account of like all the things that I've done. It sounds pretty cool. Considering I mean, that when I when I came to Vegas in '09, all I could say was I have a MySpace account. <laughs> well, yeah, I was just laughing about my. I I didn't even know until a few days ago that MySpace still fucking existed, which just still kind of blows my mind. But um, but yeah, I mean, you've gone from being a Marine, being told you can't do it, moving to Vegas to start out like some actors would move to L.A. or New York, um, making your way, like you said, being homeless and sleeping in theaters. And then all of a sudden you're on AGT, you got your own show. And like you said, it's it's not the point that you, you haven't hit that point or that pinnacle that you want to get to yet. So you're not done yet. You know, all that shit's just been building blocks, getting you to where you want to be. And and I totally feel that because, you know, you said that money was never the the goal for it. And much like this show and and I have to check myself sometimes, like I told you, I asked myself what Dwayne Johnson would do because he's like the biggest star in the world sometimes. And motherfuckers humble as shit, you know, and I, I have to check myself because I started this podcast as a passion project, as I'm a voice actor, you know, I've done Kermit the Frog and Mickey Mouse in front of Stan Lee, yo, and made Stan Lee go, oh, wow, you know, this was three years before he died. That was my bucket list thing. I went and saw him at a convention, got him to sign a book for, my, for me, got pictures taken with him. And when I look at Stan Lee at where he was, and most everybody knows who that is, and when I met him, and granted, I had to pay to get the opportunity to be in front of him, but I was more than willing to do that. When I met him, he talked to you like you were just somebody that he's known forever. 
You know, I mean, he was humble. He wasn't like Stan Lee. Look at all this shit I've made. He was like Stan Lee. I appreciate that you appreciate what I've made. I hear that about a lot of people, a lot of celebrities. And I've rarely, I've rarely met the pure arrogant prick. I rarely have, um, which is interesting. I mean, I've seen celebrities with their personas on, right? And I don't know whether there is a thing about who I am in terms of like my skill set. My skill set can disarm people, or the fact that I I always give people the, the benefit of the doubt that you know I get it. You're a celebrity, and you have to put up a front. There are moments where if you catch me too caffeinated and I have very bad memory and very bad eyesight. So sometimes I'll be in a room of people and don't know who knows me and doesn't know me. Who knows my background, doesn't know my background. Who knows me Who knows me only from one project I did or like from all. So I just try to be whoever I, I mean, just be a surface smoothini. And um, my wife hates it because she knows it's not, it's very shallow. <laughs> It's very shallow, and I says I'm all about telling the jokes, like I'm on stage or whatever. But it's just an aspect of me. It's not me being fake. I like, for example, one of the reasons me and my wife are together is because of Dennis Rodman. I, I what? I've never even heard this story. All right, come on. We I'm not going to go completely into that story because it's pretty long. <laughs> but just put it this way: Dennis Rodman and I had a lot of adventures, <laughs> and one of the many adventures was um, he was he loves cigars, and my wife. Right before when we first met, she was working already at that time, 10 years at the Caesars Palace in a very high-end cigar shop. So he would be there in the, in the mornings, and then at nighttime, me and him and a bunch of people would be hanging out. And then at the end of the night, I would go to his suite, and me and his people would be, you know, be smoking, and I would do a couple of tricks. So he found out that she had already met me earlier that week or something like that. We had just met. She was on a date. That's another story, like I said. And so he tell, he starts off, he starts off, like, I guess apparently he was, like, trying to invite her and some of the co-workers to go hang out that night at Penn Hollywood. And uh, somehow he brought up that he knows a magician. And she's like, well, I just met a magician. That's cute. And he found out that it was me. And so anyways, later on that night in the room, he's like, I'm going to do a magic trick for you, black boy. He always calls me black boy, right? <laughs> And I was like, I'm not black, I'm Dominican. This is his freaking thing that he does. So uh, he's like, I know I, I can tell you the name of a girl you like. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Dennis Rodman's going to do a trick to me. And he looks and he says, Laura. And I'm like, how in the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> now, mind you, I'm not a sports fan. I'm not a sports fan. I'm not either. And, but my wife is a huge Chicago Bulls fan. She's from Chicago. So she calls me the next day, geeking out that I know Dennis Rodman. He made it seem like me and him are like this, and we're not. He just, whenever he's in Vegas, he will bump into each other, and that's about it. That's like the, the extent of our relationship. You know, I hang out, do some tricks. So yeah, he he made me seem really cool in her mind. This is two and a half years before America's Got Talent. So here I am with like no credits, <laughs> but in her mind, I'm like the magician to the stars. So that's how well, Dennis Robin hooked me up with my wife. You kind of are, bro. I mean, you downplay it a little bit, and I get that. But um, I mean, when you I'm, going back to what you said earlier, I'm, I'm similar like that. You know, my girl gets she she's my worst critic and biggest supporter. You know, she will hear me doing a show or hear me doing voiceover work, and she's like, you know, when you do that, you're on. You know, you're just like Mike, the the voice actor, or Mike this. She's like, but even though you're not different when you're not in front of the mic or in front of a camera, 
you are different. You know, you're a little more down to earth. And I'm like, well, I have to kind of like you said, put on that persona. I mean, I have to kind of build myself up now on the show, though, uh, I get to be myself a little bit more. But like I said, I told you, I like to I like to shock people. You know, I like to be talking about uh, spell work or magic or spirituality. And then all of a sudden Kermit the Frog comes on and starts talking shit. You know, I got in trouble with Disney one time because uh, I was doing Mickey's voice talking to Minnie in the bedroom. And they did not. They got into that shit and they did not like that at all. I got a very stern talking to and, and I haven't done it anymore since that if that tells you anything but um but yeah i mean when you know you're good at something there's a difference in being full of shit and full of yourself and there's a difference in being an humble kind of cocky like you said i mean i know that i can do certain things well and then i know there's other things that you know i'm horrible at but the things that i know i can do well hell i'm gonna knock that shit out of the park and, and i'm not gonna pretend like i don't know that i can do it and you know, I think it's a, it's a, a, a little bit of empathy that goes along with it, too, because sometimes, you know, I realize that I've taken risks that no sane person <laughs> who have ever taken would take. And because of some of the rewards of those risks, I do live my dream. And I, I have met individuals who, you know, I, I might... I might be far enough to say that they haven't or they feel like they don't, even though they might be materially successful. They got the car, the house, they got the yacht or whatever. And, but you can see there's some like, emptiness behind their eyes. And I just don't like to be like the guy who's going to rub it in your head. Look, ah, you know, you, you, did a, you did everything fucking right and you're miserable. You know, like I, it, it's like a blessing that I know that I have. Yeah, that I I am doing what I really do enjoy to do, and I have a beautiful family. But then I'm saying that everybody's miserable. That you just I just don't know who I meet. So it, it doesn't feel right to be over the top like haha, bitches. You know I freaking did it. Uh, uh, for that reason, it's like a bit bit of empathy because maybe I'm maybe my story can inspire somebody younger to follow their dreams. But then also you know to get the support of people who weren't able to do it. I still want them to be like rooting for me. You know what I mean? It's it's just a weird situation. My, my son, um, and he's not going to be watching this either. It, it's funny. Like uh, my son loves it when I do voices and shit, but he's like, dad, I'm not going to listen to you. You're my dad. I don't give a fuck what you do. <laughs> you know? And he just graduated high school last year. God damn. I feel old. But, um, but yeah, he, when he started watching you and keeping up with you, uh, he actually told me one day, he's like, dad, look, you know, this guy came from another country when he was young, you know, he's a person of color. He had all this stuff working against him, but yet he always seems upbeat. He's always positive. You know, he's always got a good message to put out there. Yeah. He's funny and he talks shit and stuff like that, but he's always, he, he his thing is is he doesn't ever see you in anything that you've ever done seem like you're arrogant or seem like you're down you know i've even had live streams that i've been watching and he's been in the room and he's like man this guy's always in a good mood and i'm like but you gotta be man i mean you can't focus on the negative or you know my wife my wife is a mental health costume i know yeah so it's 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 one of those things where me and her have little discussions i know that some people, especially vets, 
whether I don't know whether it's chemical. I mean, because of my lack of knowledge, I, I I don't know if depression can be just just chemical. Is it just mental? Is it a mixture of both? But you know, I've been through depression, panic attacks, and all that good stuff. I've been I've never been suicidal. You know, knock on wood. I've been very close to the point of you know that same year that I was talking about, 2012, when I was sleeping in the theaters, of where I wasn't suicidal. I didn't want to quit because I'm like I will make it. I remember thinking through the worst days. I'm like, oh, this is going to make a great chapter in my book. That's how I went through that. I saw exactly how I went through that. I said, you know what? Come on, bring it, bring it, bring it. Because nobody's going to want to watch a movie of me just always winning. And I would just tell myself that constantly through the worst times. And even, you know, I feel like with me specifically, I can't speak for other people, that being positive is a choice. And I might be wrong, and I get it. Like I'm, I'm down if somebody tells me no. You know, being depressed could be chemical, it could be hereditary, it could be a lot of other things. But I, all I can speak about is for me. And if every day I can think in myself, like, okay, listen, if I want to do all these things, all these things, I can't be miserable. I can't be moping around. I nobody wants to be listening to my damn sob story. I can sit here and vent all the time. I have to stop myself from venting because I can vent my ass off. But nobody wants that, man. I mean, especially from a guy as an entertainer. Look at Robin Williams, who I idolized. I do too. Yeah, I idolized. I was on. I was on AGT when he killed himself, and I literally was gonna stop my show and go nano nano. And the producer told me not to do it. Right? But just I cried so- when that shit happened. Yeah, I'm not even gonna lie. Like I-, I cried like a baby. But I was like, how can somebody who? Yeah, look at me. I see. How can somebody who has brought so much joy to me and to so many people have been, I mean, I can understand why they could hide it. I'm like, no, but that wasn't the point, bro. So I, I, I try to be very, not falsely optimistic. It's not a falsity. I really believe that, you know, no, I'm on doing something. <laughs> it's so Here, be quiet. Go, go away. <laughs> Freaking children. But it's like, it's like at the end of the day, like that, that, that really is a good point. Like how, how is it that I can't be upbeat for fake? If I'm going to be moping around and be like the two pack of magic and be just bitter and, and fight against people, if I want to be angry, I will be angry. I can throw it out there, you know? I don't want to freaking fake it for my, my people. Now, look, listen, I don't believe I have fans. I know I have supporters. I know in certain areas of the, of the globe there are people that really look at me as fans. And I think it's completely and utterly strange. And so that's why I write back whenever I can. That's why I talk to people whenever I can. Because I don't think I am that special. I have so many personal demons that just need to be put in the underneath in Hades, you know, right down there in the river sticks. They need to stay down there. And they bubble up every once in a while. And I have all these beautiful messages like, oh, you're great, you're awesome. And people will compliment me for hours. My wife went to an event with me not that long ago. And she's like, oh, I see what you love. She hasn't been in one for years. She's like, I can see what you love. They just spent 40 minutes kissing your ass. I'm like, yeah, baby. It's <laughs> fucking great. And then all I got to do is walk into the house and being told I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> and that the trash is not out. Just to put me right back to the middle. <laughs> and see, that's that's the uh, thread that keeps you grounded right there. You know, it's, <laughs> it's really funny because, like, I'm... 
and I don't mean this in a negative way, but just facts. I'm like very far below on the rung of stuff like that than you are. But, you know, you've been doing it a little bit longer. But when I started this show, I literally didn't think anybody outside of Vermont was going to listen. I thought maybe South Carolina, maybe Georgia, because I got family there. You know, I might get some people listening there. And then I'm like, you know, I'm doing a show about witchcraft. I've been in and out of that for almost 30 years now. My grandmother taught me and I grew up Southern Baptist. So I'm Southern Baptist. And then I would go that weekend and do a seance with my grandmother when I was 13 years old. And so I was like, I'm going to be talking about this shit. Nobody's going to give two fucks about what I'm talking about. But I added a little bit of comedy into it. I added a little bit of me into it. And I'm real big on networking and marketing, which I know you are too. And, you know, I, I just started talking to people and people started responding back. And like you said, I would engage these people. And I think I told you the other night, the real point when I was like, holy shit, this might actually turn into something that I can make a living out of and support my family one day doing what I love is when I had a girl one time, she was from Canada and she's like, look, your voice is silky smooth. And it made me think of you because she said smooth, you know, and she's like, your voice is silky smooth. She was like, I love your voice. Can you record something for me that I can listen to at night and fall asleep to? And I'm like, nah, A, that's weird as fuck. And B, that's like some stalker shit. And C, damn, that feels pretty good though. This girl wants to fall asleep listening to me. But then the next day, I look up and I'm like, holy shit, you know, I've gone from being in like eight states to being in 47 states. And then that was like mind blowing. And I'm trying to be humble, even though that's minor. And I'm like, you know, that's that's pretty cool. Well, then like now I'm in 24 countries, countries that I don't even know how to fucking pronounce. And like you said, you know, people will message you and be like, oh, you know, I love what you do. Oh, you bring me inspiration. Oh, you know, you make me laugh you do all this i've got people asking me to like be a mentor and things of that nature the guy in the hate ones though i I, you know it's funny i have gotten the hate ones and most of mine because of what i talk about come from uh really devout christian folks it doesn't matter who it comes from but you i'm saying i i get like paragraphs these guys when they don't like you they are very long-winded. When people like me, they're like, you're awesome. I'm like, these just two words. Come on, man. <laughs> but see, you being on YouTube a lot, too, I've found, because I do some stuff on YouTube also, people on YouTube have no fucks to give. They will just oh, no, tear bro. you down just for oh. the sake of tearing you down. And I remember <laughs> yeah, it's their you- job. You've posted shit like that before, and I'm sitting there, and immediately I'll go like, nah, fuck that shit. And I'll go in there in the comments like, nah, motherfucker, who the fuck do you th-? you know, shit oh, like that. But I look, 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 let's go through the last couple of, uh, of subjects so that I can start getting dinner ready. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah come so, on, let's go do it. Come on, we need a little so, focus, little focus so, here. Yeah, I get, I get sidetracked. So, first of all, why don't you tell me about Hip Hop Houdini? Well, first of all, let me ask you, and I don't know if you'll be willing to say this, but you said that you've rarely met met any celebrities that were true dickheads who's a celebrity that you really just didn't vibe with like it doesn't even matter <laughs> i'm not enough for real like for one i mean that, that, that kind of negativity it doesn't belong in the world you know be, uh, this could be I'm, i don't know who i am sometimes because it's like they never, there's nothing's bad ever been done to me as a person 
it's like well, you don't have to be a brick, but you never know what kind of day that person's having or not having. You know, I mean, True. you know, I mean, quite frankly, it's not like, you know, it just doesn't really matter. But I've, it's been very rare. But like I said, it's because of who I, of what I do. A lot of times when I meet somebody in the beginning, of course, if they don't know me, they have a, like their persona. And you do something, you do something really freaking cool, and that, that shit just goes away. Like, oh man, like really. See, like, oh. I'll, I'll say right now the fact that you just said, "Let's go ahead and get to the topic, so I can get dinner going." That's fucking impressive because of who you are, and you're still the family man. You're you're all about your kids. You you laugh about your kids all the time. Like I saw the post you did on Facebook earlier about old oh, time goes by so fast. Now fuck that. These damn kids <laughs> are driving me crazy. You know, and, and I resonate with that shit because I'm a dad too. But kind of segueing from that, what was uh, your favorite uh, rapper, musician, whatever, from hip-hop Houdini that you got to go in front of? That's a lot. I think everybody everybody was different. What was beautiful about that uh, that experience was that I didn't even get it, but now I do get it. When you're in front of, when you're in front of a celebrity and you have an entire film crew, an entire film crew that is on my ass, me, I look amazing. But you know what I mean? Like like for real? Like I, I'm in, I'm at their level. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, so what happened was like, each of the celebrities was always very personal with me and they got to give me words of advice, you know? And I didn't want to, and everybody was different. There was something different that I took from everybody. Like with Iggy Azalea, the entire episode, she looks like a complete bitch in the episode, but she honestly wasn't on set. The reason why was like in the beginning of the, she was, she woke up on a, on a, bad, on a bad day. She was in a bad day. And then, and, and we were moving locations and she was being so abrasive and so like, like, okay, that's impressive, but yeah, you know, whatever. Like I can't smile, I'm too gangster for it, right? And okay, cool, and I loved it, right? Because of my, my sister growing up, she's from the hood. You can't impress her. A, <laughs> a smirk is like an applause, you know? And so, and so like in between the shots, I, I I told the producers, you know, I'm gonna do my regular material. Mind you, every episode I was doing new tricks. But my regular material, Iggy, like this instantaneously, she was all talking to me, let me ride in her car. Like it, it was really cool. But then I told her, be that way for the rest of the episode because I want the world to see how I deal with somebody who's difficult, you know? So anyway, Iggy was one thing. I was thinking Fat Joe because one, I was the one celebrity that I grew up actually listening to. I grew up listening to Fat Joe. He, I love like, Fat Joe, yeah. And we filmed on the block that I grew up on. And it was just kind of like really deep. A lot of the things that he's told me in my ear, the words of advice, like made me feel like I was like, oh, I'm gonna take over the magic world. And then, you know, it's been three years since we filmed it. And a couple of weeks ago, I'm on Instagram. And they say, you know, I get this invitation to go on his Instagram live. And I'm in front of all his fans. And I'm like, he's making fun of my beard. And, <laughs> That's and I'm what's like, up. you know, it's kind of crazy. Like, it's it's really beautiful. Um, and of course, little John was showing me what show business is about in terms of his work ethic and how he, everyone was different. Everyone was completely and utterly different. Waka Flocka was hilarious. He told me to turn off his microphone and told me to be careful. The man is going to take advantage of you. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't lying. <laughs> 
I was like, I don't care, man. I just need a TV show. <laughs> but you know what was cool about that show, I thought, and in case anybody hasn't seen it, I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah, the whole uh, season one is on there. Stream the whole season. So you need to go watch that shit. It's it's hilarious. It's amazing and it's fun because you get to see a side of you dealing with celebrities but you also get to see these celebrities and like with fat joe man i've i've grown up again like you said listening to him but dude's hella intelligent and oh yeah they're, they're all smart and and you know they, they put on that, that persona but with the fat joe is it's crazy because in the, the the moment that you see me meet him in the show is when i first met him in real life so he starts off gangster like I've had a lot of magicians wow me you're gonna have to dig deep right that's the beginning of the episode by the end of the day he's applauding like a little kid he's laughing (laughs) well see the funniest thing I found about that episode was who was it that's like his uh, main boy like his right hand man his cousin or something like that his uncle uncle Dan his uncle that's right his uncle was fucking hilarious yeah he's hilarious yeah that, that cracked me up more than anything but so how did um how did that come about? Like was that just something that kind of fell into your lap or was that something hey, Papudini? You... Yeah. Oh man, okay. Let's see if we can do this fast. So rewind. I got out of the Marine Corps December 2005. I November of 06, I had my first professional show. And it was very successful in San Diego. And um, because of that, I got written up in the San Diego Union Tribune. And I started getting a lot of press, which made my MySpace blow up. My MySpace was like really blowing up. I had videos of me as a Marine performing for Marines. That video was going out on YouTube and whatever. And so it caught the eye of a producer in Hollywood. And then I got my boy who was, I know him since third grade, made a documentary, a complete documentary about me. Um, which I can send you the link pretty soon. And that documentary got aired or whatever. So about middle 2007, I had all this press, all this press, and then I had this documentary out, and then I had, and then a bunch of Marines called this um, TV show called Latin Nation, where they featured different Latinos in different areas of life. And they did a little five-minute feature about me that went nationwide. Now, people who watched the show, which is pretty Latinos that spoke English, that weren't like speaking Spanish. Yeah. So all around the same time of like late spring of 07, I had all this little minor press going on and I was putting up a MySpace. A Hollywood producer was like, oh man, we gotta get you on a real TV show. So he brought me up to LA and I'm like thinking, this is 2007, about a year and a half after I got out of the Marine Corps. And he's like, are you ready to do your own TV show? I'm like, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. We pitched MTV three times, BET four times, C, um, ABC, NBC, Fox. We did VH1. We did the History Channel, the Travel Channel. I mean, over the course of years. And it got close and then no. Close and then no. And then finally, MTV called me back one time and they're like, you're amazing, but you're not famous. <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, like, bro, if you give me the fucking show, I will be famous. Right? So all this happened from 2007 to 2009. Mind you, you're not saying no. I have it in my head. I will get a TV show. I am the logical next choice. Right, I, in terms of my personality, the demographics I can hit, and everything, and um, I just was too green. I had no credit. So by '09, when I got, I said, "Okay, I will move to Las Vegas." 
then maybe as a Las Vegas magician, not going to San Diego, I can get some credits. Well, sure enough, Telemundo hits me up, a couple of networks, and then they lost interest. They lost interest in me so badly about 2011. They're like, you've been pitching for years, and everybody said no. So that's where my depression came in in 2012. It all fits in, right? And I dug deep on the whole being the bar stuff. Anyways, like the universe has it. I blow up on America's Got Talent, and literally every freaking TV channel that I produced Pitch suit over the, all these years, remember me immediately. And so the freaking phone call started coming in. The producer, he never quit on me. He called me back in. He got Wiz Khalifa involved. Wiz got me involved. He started going again, knocking on all these networks' doors. And it took from 2014 to about late 2016. And then finally, um, Fuse said yes. That's A couple of networks said yes, but the production company was like, ah, you know. How long did it take you to record the season? From went to LA October of seventeen, and then I think we filmed actual filming. Filming was November to January, but we I did a month of pre production, and then they edited it for God knows like five months. All right, so I got a few more things, and then I'll let you get back to your fam. So, one, what's your favorite trick to perform? Hugging people. All right. I mean, like, seriously, I don't have a favorite thing. Uh, it just depends on the person, you know. <laughs> Some for like a little kid, it'll be my favorite trick for a little kid. This is my favorite trick for a skeptic. This is my favorite trick for somebody religious. This is my favorite trick for an ing- somebody analytical, you know. It just really depends for a person. But honestly, my favorite trick is making somebody feel comfortable. And oh, yes. that, that's, that's nothing other than le- knowing people and then try to connect with them as fast as humanly possible. All right, but all right. but but overall, I would think the watch deal when I see people's watches and I show it back to them. Yeah, see, I, that's always amazed me. No matter who I see do it, uh, and and the, once at Disney in downtown Disney in Orlando, Florida, I had one of the magicians that kind of roamed around. Uh, he came up and I had a watch on. He's like, you know, that's a nice watch, and I'm like, oh shit, he's about Here to do go. a watch trick, you know, and, and I'm gonna get to see, you know, and he ain't gonna be a trick me, but I'll be goddamn if he. He didn't fucking take my watch and and I still don't know how that works but see that's what I told my little girl I'm like you know I'm a lover of magic tricks and I don't want to know how the shit works that takes it away from it you know and like that masked magician bullshit that shit pissed me off yo I, don't, don't be telling people how the shit works it pissed me off bro that's because honestly one he never snitched anything that I can do <laughs> I mean like he taught you how to make an elephant disappear how many people are running around to magic shows? <laughs> like, I knew how you made wait, an elephant disappear. Wait, you don't have an elephant hanging out of your house? Daddy, bro, no. No pack right. of dirt. Well, let me ask you this, because I know we're both into uh, sci-fi and comics and stuff. Uh, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? That's a good question. I would say Return of the Jedi. There you go. All right. Not a lot of people. I mean, Empire Strikes Back. Duh. It has the most, has the most quotes. has the most... But the reason why I like Return of the Jedi is because it's the first time that Luke isn't a little bitch. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a whiny little bitch for half that shit. And I'm like, oh, come on, son, really? But he, when he had first time you see him and he's just like walking into Jabba's lair, I'm like, that's what I want to see, bro. 
That's well, see, I, I met Hamill one time, and uh, he's one of my idols, not because of just Star Wars, but because he does the voice Joker. of the Joker in the animated <laughs> Batman. The Joker, yeah. You know, and, and as a voice actor, I'm just like, motherfucker, that is the pinnacle, dude. He's like, how you like that? How you like that Uber Eats commercial with him and, uh, oh my God. Tomatoes. Fucking I hilarious. Am not my daddy. <laughs> That shit's hilarious. I love him because he could make fun of himself, but at the same time, uh, he's just amazing. So, all right. So we got that. Uh, I know. Now, did I correct me if I'm wrong? Did I not see a picture? Did you put in your kid's room a Jedi like my father before me? Unless I get the letter from Hogwarts first, and you've got like the lightsaber and the wand. No, 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 no. It's. it's I used to work back. I had. They had little night, lightsaber night lights. And uh, okay. the cow, it was the cow. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, out of like uh, sci-fi and comics, what's your favorite thing? Like Outside it could be a movie the- or a comic series or whatever. Oh, okay. Yo, um, too bad it ended. It ended so quickly. Um, okay, I got several. Law and Order, SVU. Dexter was amazing. Firefly with the following discussion. Movie of Serenity was freaking great. Um, you know anything with time travel, but but I'm 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 very picky with that. You got to do a really good time travel story. So of course, Back to the Future, for sure. Yeah, for sure, Back to the Future because of nostalgia and everything too. But um, man, Naruto when it comes to anime. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of things that I really enjoy. Like, I like the Foundation series in terms of books, Ender's Game, you know, and the, subs- the subsequent stories. But um, I'm just, I've been a big fan of philosophy, love history. I love thinking about history a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Well, you so know, a lot of- I'll tell you. Uh, one of the things I like about you the most, Smooth, is, uh, I mean, not only do you impress with your tricks and your skill, um, your personality is down to earth and you're very positive and uplifting, but at the same time, you uh, are very intelligent. Like, uh, we joke that we're not, and our girls are, but but we're self-taught and, and we're very into But you you and I have had a couple conversations over the years about quantum theory and string, or quantum physics and string theory and time travel. And I'm going to have to get you back on on another episode to talk about just that, because that's Yeah, shit. You, know, you know, hopefully our schedules will be a lot better so that I can actually, one, I would like to do some tricks. So anybody listening, you're not missing out on nothing other than my beard. <laughs> so, um, but I, I would do some tricks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I want to get back on because um, I definitely didn't touch all the science stuff that I like to talk about. Really, you know, um, I, I do want to say though, I, I'm coming out with my own podcast. Yeah, I was going to tell you, so, you need to promote that. So go ahead. Yeah, so I decided yesterday or the day before that the name of the show is going to be Smooth Talk. Uh, I'll be dealing with a different subject every episode. Um, I think some of the subjects we got going on is success, definition of it. I'm gonna do a podcast about tipping, you know, working in the industry. Talk about the history, different points of views, talk to different people about it. I will be doing tricks though, based on that. And going out about, I'm looking forward to it. I actually have a better way of discussing what my idea of this podcast is. And, um, and hopefully using it as a springboard for some of my other future TV projects that are coming left and right and right and left. But I need to do something. I've been stuck here, COVID, going absolutely 
bananas, bananas. And when I got together with the team that I'm doing the podcast with, I was explaining that every time these networks and these TV producers talk to me, they just want me to be who I was in America's Got Talent. They don't want me to be a magician, a bar magician. All they want me to be. But I'm like, yo, we can sit down and talk about anything. Let's go. I have a perspective as a magician who's traveled the world. I live in Japan. I live in Australia. I live in the Philippines. I've done tricks with different people. I know what it feels like to go to a group of strangers who have never met me or heard of me. And within 10 minutes of being next to them, they're hugging me, high-fiving me, buying me shots. I, I have a perspective on humanity that would allow me to have these conversations just a little bit different than other people can. And it doesn't always have to be about my performance magic, but also, you know, you're talking about witchcraft and stuff like that. You know, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? Full disclosure, I, I, I'm not a big believer, but I'm not a complete skeptic, if that makes any sense. Well, see, I'm like you in the sense you like to wow people and kind of blow their mind. And that's what I like to do, too, with which. Well, I'm talking about like in terms of the belief, like, like I have friends who believe in astronomy. Mm-hmm. And I can think I think it's complete bullshit. <laughs> but I but I still have an episode about it where I'm not knocking it. I'm like, let's go have a conversation. Let's go back and forth with some really smart people. Like convince me type. Not necessarily convince me, but let's just go for Because I think that this abrasive constant where we have to be fighting with thoughts and ideas is what's going wrong with the country nowadays. It's okay to have different points of views and still be kick-ass friends and just to have the conversation. Don't necessarily convince me because when people come to me at my shows and be like, I don't believe in magic. I'm like, well, asshole, if I had real magic powers, bitch, I wouldn't be charging you a ticket price. I would just be, fuck, I'll be, I'll be in Hogwarts right now, asshole. So but it's well, okay see, to... Yeah. I got a t-shirt in my merch shop that says, oh, you don't believe in witchcraft? That's cool. Can I have a piece of your hair? So, uh, you know, so yeah, I'm all about that. But yeah, I mean, I, I like that type of thing. And, you know, we talked the other day without going too much into it, how you might be in my neck of the woods soon. And uh, when you are... Oh, VT. Yeah. When you are, I, I want to do like a show with you actually as a co-host doing something like that but i'm like you too i throw myself out there shamelessly so when you do your podcast boy you gotta have me on your show oh yeah yeah you're gonna be on that you're gonna be on that specific episode <laughs> but yeah but uh yeah i'm gonna let's no, it's cool actually this morning i was talking to the people from maine that are trying to drag me out there so i'm looking forward to it i i want to be a guest again on your show um for sure for sure for sure and uh, do a little bit of abracadabra stuff, and uh, and then yeah, yeah. Because I was going to tell you, my girl, uh, I've got this set up to where she can watch it on the computer as I'm recording upstairs, and she's been messaging me throughout this whole thing. And she's like, "Tell him to do the trick with the cards from nowhere. Tell him to do the trick with the cards from nowhere." And I'm like, I, I, "We're talking right now. Leave me the fuck alone." Well, yeah, you know, the thing was is like because of the fact that I've been doing it downstairs, and I don't know when the kids were going to go nuts, and when my wife came, she just came in right now. Um, What's up, Laura? She's over there. She can hear you a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah, it was a little bit more. See, if I was in the privacy, I could have done it. Now, it's just like I didn't know we were going to cut off. But, yo, hey, how about this? You, in show business, they say you always want them wanting more. 
Exactly. So we're going to have Smooth back on my show. He's going to do some tricks. We're going to talk about some time travel and shit like that. Uh, Hopefully when he gets his show started, I will come on that. But as always, as I always have, I consider myself kind of like your street team. I'm always supporting you because I love what you do. And you're a great guy, man. And you mean the world to me. I, I, I respect you for what you do. No worries. You better have those shots of non tequila ready for me. Oh, we ain't gonna have no tequila. We're gonna be smoking that. Non tequila. You had non tequila. Non tequila. <laughs> I'll show you a trick where you buy a bottle of tequila and I pour it and it turns into whiskey. All right, bet. We're gonna definitely do that shit. Actually, I can't do that, but I just want you to buy me a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Look, look. Out of my out of my hat, this is so janky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. Nobody noticed her passing it to me. All right, Laura, Laura and uh, did the assist with the trick. <laughs> Hell, is this? We're not we're not promoting these people because they ain't not paying for this. But he's saying hi. Hi. What's up? Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Nice to, nice to say hi. Oh my gosh! All right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, so I'm going to let, now that Laura's home and the kids are probably hungry, I'm going to let Smooth get back to his family. But thank you, brother, for coming on. Uh, Keep letting me know about the podcast, and I'll keep promoting that for you. I will. will. Let me know when this comes out so I can share it with my fans. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. It's going to come out this weekend, probably. So if you want to go ahead and start hyping it up, I'll send you the link when it's ready. All right. Deuces. All right. Later, bro.